nine months of fear, loneliness, and limits on our freedom that we never could have imagined. Finally, some good news. The longed-for vaccine suddenly becoming a tangible reality. Come along, R2. Don't be so silly. You can't possibly be getting whooping cough. Droids don't get diseases like whooping cough or measles or polio. But children do. If a young child gets whooping cough, it can lead to pneumonia, brain damage, even death. All you need is a little rewiring. But children need to be fully immunized and alert. The city will scan records of anyone who's come in contact with an infected patient and will find those who are found to be unvaccinated. New York's mayor says he's certain they have the legal power to do this. Is it possible that you and I are watching prophecy fulfilled before our very eyes? On this episode of The Soul Trap, when we talk about vaccines and the mark of the beast. We are going to have some time. Welcome to this episode of The Soul Trap. As you know, something has gone drastically wrong with the world that you and I are living in. We woke up in March to a world that has turned upside down. And yet, within the last few weeks, maybe in some areas, we're beginning to see a little light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe a little normalcy. Maybe, as some are saying, if Trump wins, things begin to go back to normal. But what is, as they say, the new normal? And the real question is not where we have come from, but where we are going to. While we may have had to fight the battle over whether or not we are going to wear a mask, the real question is, are we going to have to fight the battle as to whether or not we will allow them to put a needle in our arm, to take the vaccine? For years, for decades, for many, many long years, we have wrestled with and talked about in prophecy exactly what is the mark of the beast and exactly what does the end time look like. While here at the Soul Trap, we do hold to a pre-tribulation rapture position, that doesn't mean that we're not going to face tribulation prior to the rapture. And it certainly doesn't mean that we're going to be able to escape many of the traumas that we may see unfolding as we get closer to the tribulation. On today's show, we're going to be talking with an old, tried, and tested friend, Pastor Daniel Cox, and we're going to be talking about this issue of the vaccine, and not just the vaccine itself, but what it's doing to us psychologically as a people, as a church. If whether or not to keep our church open or closed has ripped us apart like it has, what, pray tell, is the issue of the vaccine going to do in the new future? Well, it is good to have Brother Daniel with us. Daniel, thank you for being with us. I hate to bring on always for such heavy topics, but we're glad to have you with us as we discuss the mark of the beast, the vaccine, the new world order, and everything in between. Thanks for coming on the show with us. Good to be with you again, Joe. Good. Well, like I said, as we were talking, we woke up and all of a sudden it was Katie bar the door. We were fighting. First of all, were we even going to survive? I don't know that anybody actually knew what this thing was going to be. And so it seemed like it was the worst case scenario. I think the CDC, Fauci, others were saying 2 million people dead minimum. And then all of a sudden it changed. Then it wasn't 2 million people. The numbers begin to get lower and lower and people begin to look around and say, wait a second, we're not denying that this is a real issue, but we're also saying that this real issue is being used 
to further certain political agendas, certain political ends. And here comes the battle. Everything begins to really cut loose. And one of the biggest battles that came out of this whole thing was the fact that churches were being forced to close, and even people like MacArthur still fighting that battle. As you and I talked the other day, the question was, if closing the churches has been so divisive, what is going to happen if this thing shifts over to a vaccine? So, so what is coming? What is going to take place? Tell me what you see on the horizon as we jump feet first into this situation, Brother Daniel. What do you see regarding the vaccine on the horizon, and what should we be on the lookout for? Well, when we, when we read the Bible and we're discussing the end times and certainly the revelation of or the revealing of the man of sin, uh, I think Christians are looking for the man of sin and not really focused on the movement that really promotes that man. Mm. And, and as I see it, we are in that movement. As John writes that uh, in his day and time, the spirit of Antichrist was at work in the world. But what, what I think we're looking at in our day and time is the culmination of that flower that was germinating in the days of John. We're really seeing the full flower developing, not just spiritually, but, but certainly there's an economic and a political and now a health issue that really is united the world in crisis. And as old Rahm Emanuel said, don't ever let a crisis go to waste. You never want a serious crisis to go to waste. Yeah. So, so all of those things are feeding into a need. You have the solution and, and you have to create the problem to bring people to that solution. Mm -hmm. So I, I think we need to keep our eyes on, on not the man, but the movement. Okay, so how does, uh, let me ask you this, how does the vaccine play into that? What, uh, what is it that Christians, and whether or not you want the vaccine or you think it's, it's pure medical necessity, that's not what I'm getting into. In essence, what, what are Christians, what should they be afraid of when they look at this vaccine and they see it on the horizon? Um, what is it that should make us disturbed about this particular thing? Well, the question is, what is the vaccine? Uh, what is the identity of the vaccine that we're being asked to take? So I have a body. Uh, what rights do I have over that body? So I was, was asking myself this question uh, in relation to the Roe versus Wade case, which interestingly enough, uh, Trump has nominated a replacement for the seat of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And if we've all noticed in the news, that whole seat is hinging upon what one would do in regards to the issue of Roe versus Wade. Mm -hmm. so, so, so what's the prevailing defense, the constitutional defense for Roe versus Wade? So if we argue that a woman has certain protective rights for her, for her own body, uh, can I just read something very quickly? Sure. Uh, this is some of the defense that was made before the Supreme Court in 1973. Uh, Sarah Weddington said, a pregnancy to a woman is perhaps one of the most determinative aspects of her life. It disrupts her body. It disrupts her education. It disrupts her employment. So these, these bullet points were kind of the, the, the thesis statement of the, the defense of pro-choice. A woman has the right to decide what she can do with her body or cannot do. The fetus exists within a woman's body. A woman has the right to decide whether the fetus remains in her body. Uh, therefore, a pregnant woman has the right to abort the fetus. And the argument was based on the 14th Amendment. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. which, which says in part, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protections of the law. What that's extrapolated out to be is Brown versus Board of Education, Roe versus Wade, election results in mm-hmm. the case of Bush versus Gore, and it, it's been uh, uh, an amendment that's been all-encompassing in a lot of areas. But the question is, can Christians make the same claims? Now, I'm not, I'm not suggesting I agree with the premise of the fact that a fetus is part of the woman's body. We know that as a separate entity. Right, right. But I'm, but I'm simply asking the question, can we make a constitutional claim that Congress will not make a law that is an infringement upon our basic rights with what we do with our bodies? Mm. So the parallel that you're drawing there is that if the Supreme Court accepted the Roe v. Wade argument in part based upon their right to their own body, that technically speaking, the Christians should have the exact same access under the 14th Amendment, but they should have the same argument or right to an argument that says, this is my body, I should not be forced to take that vaccine. Is that in essence what you're what you're getting at? And we're not even right. talking about the science of what the vaccine is, we're just talking about whether or not somebody <laughs> should have the right, right to take it or not. Well, and can I ask the question, what is being placed in my body? Can, can we have an open exchange of what exactly, tell me exactly what I'm putting in my body. Mm-hmm. Um, so the FDA would determine uh, a food producer, McDonald's, would have to tell you that uh, pink slime chicken nuggets are not good for you. <laughs> That's us! Hey man, I live off I, chicken nuggets. I, I didn't say they're not good. <laughs> right, I didn't say right. they're not good, I said they're not good for you. But, but these are things that have to be stated. Can I as, as a dissenter, at least ask the question, I'd really like to know what are you putting in my body? Mm-hmm. Do I have a constitutionally protected right to decide what I do with my body? Because we, as we see, the civil war of our country rests upon one of the pillars of that civil conflict is how will the Supreme Court decide on Roe versus Wade? Mm-hmm. So I, I think what we're asking for is can we have the same protection of clearly something foreign. Now, a baby is not a foreign object lodged in a woman's body. Right. But a vaccine is. Right. And we would like to have that conversation. We can talk about some of the things we know are in these vaccines that we as Christians would have a conscience issue not allowing into our systems. Okay. So let's go down that rabbit hole right there. Um, I know that there was a, a fairly well-known, and, and I would say um, a well-educated, well-documented man that spoke at, at, at Crown College. I know there's been a lot of people around this issue of vaccination for quite some time that have been arguing, listen, there is more to this than you realize, Mm -hmm. and you need to know what it is that they're doing. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, the MRMA. Let's talk about some of these, you know, the possibility of some of these things being weaponized. We've heard about, you know, uh, the fetus material. Some people say, no, that was only placed in ones that came over from Europe back in the day it doesn't happen anymore the metal the biochips give us a rundown of of what it is that we should be afraid that's possibly in these vaccines that are coming so joel in 1966 september of 1966 lung tissue was taken from a 14 week fetus aborted for 
psychiatric reasons uh, taken from the wound of a 27-year-old physically healthy woman. From that cell line proceeded what is known in vaccine terminology as MRC5. So if you have, I think it's called a black label or an ingredients list of vaccines that are currently being given in the United States and around the world, a number of them have the MRC5 cell line taken from an aborted fetus. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, a Verivax a vaccine, a yellow fever, uh, a vaccine for shingles, and one as well for um, another form of shingles. Uh, this language is included from the CDC, uh, MRC5 human deployed cells, including DNA and protein. Mm -hmm. So we're not talking about something that happened in the 1960s. We're talking about something currently taking place in, in, the, in the United States. As a Christian, do I have a right to be aghast or, or right. shocked even at the idea that cell lines from, from aborted fetuses are being injected into the population, including the ones they try to put in our children. Okay, so I guess one of the things that came up, and we've talked about too, is the 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 bio uh, particles. You know what mm -hmm. what actually can be used. How advanced is the technology, and do we actually know what they're putting into our bodies that could be at some point down the road turned on, turned right. off, weaponized, right. affected us? And then, right. if you really wanted to go down the rabbit hole. The question really becomes exactly what takes place during the tribulation period. What, mm -hmm. what is Satan's game plan as far as changing? We know sure. from biblical history that mm -hmm. Satan has tried to degenerate and to dirty the gene pool of humanity. So right. is that something that he comes back and he doesn't now he's not forcing it. Right. He has people standing in line waiting to take the shot. So can you talk <laughs> a little bit about the, 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 the speech that the doctor... Um, I forget what his name was, but at, at Crown gave the speech, mm -hmm. the bioparticles. What, what is the possibility right. of them weaponizing these things? Yes, yeah, so I was uh, doing a little research uh, on a DARPA-funded implantable biochip that is supposed to detect COVID-19 in the system. I just want to read uh, something from the National Post. Uh, revolutionary breakthrough from Canadian scientist Derek Rossi in 2010. Uh, found by accident, he found a way to, quote, reprogram the molecules that carry the genetic instructions for cell development in the human body, not to mention all biological forms. So what they've discovered is they can place something in the human body. And, and if you remember just a few weeks back, Elon Musk and his Neuralink uh, implantable microchip in the human brain is really designed as a bridge between uh, common medicine, or what we might say modern medicine and technology, not just to manipulate the mind, which we know from the beginning pages of the Bible has been uh, really the weapon of our, of our enemy, the devil, is to, is to control the minds of them, yes. uh, to blind the minds of them that believe not the gospel, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine into them. So we're talking about things that, that have been developed and are being used in the world to manipulate the mind and even down to the molecular uh, scale of our of our DNA, something called mRNA, that's that's really designed to reprogram, to rewrite the genetic makeup of a human being. Mm -hmm. So we have to wonder when we read Genesis chapter six and other places, or even the first promise of the gospel in Genesis three fifteen, what is the serpent seed? Yes. What does that look like? It, is it 
Is it as we might suspect in Genesis chapter 6? It would be an invasion of demonic influences uh, cohabitating with men? Or could it be the blending of science uh, to create spiritual Frankensteins, in a sense, mm. to create people whose minds can be manipulated, who would, who would wholeheartedly receive the deception of the man of sin? Yes. So I, I think these are, uh, it's interesting, we develop the science pontificated on the public, and in the, then we ask the moral question. Mm -hmm. We should be asking the moral question before the science is ever even investigated. Exactly, exactly. But in the mad dash of panic and in pandemonium and nobody believing anybody, nobody knows what to do. And so mm -hmm. everybody has just absolutely right. embraced well, this wholeheartedly. Try, try this term, Operation Warp Speed. I hope we're going to have a vaccine, and, and we're going to fast-track it like you've never seen before. Adding Trump-style branding, the administration launched Operation Warp Speed, a multi-billion dollar research and manufacturing effort to shorten the typical year-plus vaccine development timeline. The goal is ambitious, producing patient-ready vaccines as early as January. Yeah, exactly. Watch it now. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna step on some toes there with the second coming of the Messiah there. But yeah, exactly. Opposite. Isn't it odd that we're able? My wife said this the other day, and as a cancer survivor, it it really sticks in her crawl that we can fast track a vaccine, but we can't Operation Warp Speed something to to, to cure cancer. You know, mm -hmm. it's an amazing thing, this kind of mm -hmm. thing that, that they're doing. And you mentioned mm -hmm. Elon, Elon Musk. And the, the, it seems to me one of the things that's happening is that there is a huge, uh, I would call it moment of singularity, where biological material is coming in line with technological mechanisms. Absolutely. And we're getting sure. a biomechanical almost mm -hmm. merger here. And that really does lend itself to a lot of the things that we see in the book of, of Revelation, a lot of the mm -hmm. things that we see in the book of Genesis. Mm -hmm. And and here are Christians right on the cusp of this trying to figure out what they should do. And if we hadn't figured out the mask thing, I mean, it really begs the question if, if we're going to be able to figure out the vaccine yeah. thing. No, I agree. I agree. We we have been we have been led to think that Christianity is the enemy of science, hmm. uh, but we know that the greatest scientist in the Bible was was a man named Daniel, yeah, uh, who truly knew God. and And he says, "It's not in me; it's in God." Um, you know, I think one of the great arguments for the existence of God is the fact that this great planet we live on, the design of the human body, the the immensity. It's interesting how evolution. Uh, and I know we've veered off track, but I'll come back on the, the highway quickly. But you know, in terms of evolution, it's always, it's always discussed in a very nano, one instance at a time. But think of the enormity of the creation. Mm -hmm. uh, think about it's not just the greatness of planets that amaze us. It's, it's the intricacy of, of nano particles and things that God is immense, yet he's so, so small in the things that he's designed. We look at the world, the heavens declare the glory of God, the firmament showeth his handiwork. Yes. So we're, we're, we're not uncomfortable as Christians talking about science. We're very comfortable in that realm because that's the realm of our miraculous creative God. Yes. I think but but it's, it, it's that the idea, I can't be a Bible believer and have any seat at the table in a scientific, just do what you're, now, now it's just do what you're told. Mm -hmm. Do what you're told. Ask no questions. Uh, no investigation should be should be. And by, you know, we we stopped talking to each other in our country a long time ago. It's a great uh, whether it's the, the merits of same sex marriage. Can we have a, a conversation about 
uh, the implications of redefining marriage and what that might mean for a society. But no, nobody can ask a question anymore and have an open dialogue. Mm-hmm. It's a very dangerous thing. And you and I are the same heart. We'll sit down and talk to anybody. Yes. Yeah, but you may, can't ask. You can't ask questions. I think you're exactly right. We're going to come back here in just a few moments in part two of this, and we're going to dive a little bit deeper into the subject of Bill Gates, into the idea of how this actual vaccination could look in the new world order. Stay with us as we come back and bring in you more detail on this issue of the serpent seed, the mark of the beast, vaccination, and where we stand with this. Call Meta someplace. Put her in the center. 